This show may contain strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit our website at mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of chest and genital dysphoria, fantasy gore, mention of drugs, and white feelings. It also contains discussions about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Friday, we continue to be gay. Saturday is the gayest day. Sunday, yeah, it's still gay, but we also record a podcast. Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jay. My name is CJ, and we are your co-conspirators in trying to figure it out whatever it is that cishet people think it is we're doing. Uh, but CJ, what's on the buy schedule for today? Is this Henlo Bullfrog? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be. <laughs> We have Joy. It's entirely yeah. possible. <laughs> is, did you at any point, this is Joy, by the way, have you considered at any point making like your um, social media presence as Henlo Bullfrog? Like, has it occurred to you that this could be Henlo Bullfrog? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a little afraid of going over the character. Mm, that's fair. Uh, that's, that's. <laughs> For... I honestly think um, I may have accidentally stolen it from um, Swan Flambe's is this uh, Lana Del Rey page mm. on Facebook where they just like take photos that are, you know, have a Lana Del Rey vibe to them and ask, is this Lana <laughs> Del Rey? And I didn't realize that until after I'd uh, made all of his social media. So I like privately messaged Swan. I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's a really good phrase. And they're like, it's fine. It's great. Keep I, it. I think so. that's a pretty common social media uh, format. <laughs> Yeah. For to contextualize this, by the way, Joy is a drag king in the uh, Philly performance area, and uh, the drag king name is Henlo Bullfrog. And I, I'd say, like all, if not most, of the social media presence is is this Henlo Bullfrog. <laughs> so there's the joke. Because <laughs> yeah, he's a cryptid. There's the joke from two minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. He's a, he's a cryptid. He's like cousin to Mothman and the Jersey Devil yeah. and all that. So like, you're always asking yourself, did I just have a sighting? <laughs> like, was was that him on the corner? Is that him? Is it Henlo Bullfrog? Oh, I love that. Yeah. He came in through my window at night and whispered secrets in my ear. <laughs> you know? I feel like they're, I, I, cryptids are pretty um, well represented in Philly drag in general. Like, mm. yeah, there's a big presence of... I don't know what I'm looking at right now, and I love this. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, uh, I feel like Philly really does have a good reputation for weird mm. drag. Like, that's, you know, um, I mean, New York does everything, and it, everyone's very polished. Um, there's other cities with their different reputations, but Philly, um, from what I've heard, is it's weird. Just get ready to, like, see something you've never seen before, and, like, I don't know how this person came right. up with oh, it. that's awesome. Philly drag is where you go to get... Freaky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so tell us about you, Joy. Um, well, I uh, I originally came into the Philadelphia performance community as a body artist and effects artist. Um, 
And so I'm a professional artist and have been, uh, I want to say since I was about 26. Um, what got me started doing, um, working more directly in performance art was uh, I won a reality competition show called Skin Wars Fresh Paint, mm-hmm. which uh, really changed my life. And I moved to Philly and began my career as a body painter. And that naturally led to working with a lot of performers and a lot of people who need to be body painted. So exotic dancers, burlesque performers, drag artists, anyone who is going to be showing a significant amount of skin, um, three years with terror behind the walls, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, I've met so many weird, wild and wonderful people. And um, I also the rates as a body and makeup artist. I mean, not that I'm making anything right now on that, but um, just infinitely better than comics and illustration. (laughs) So no, it don't hurt. Um, And then eventually I realized that I also wanted an outlet for my own ideas that just I, some things I wanted to be in the world and I wasn't seeing them in the world Mm -hmm. yet. And I was like, but come on, like, if you know these three things, then you would know how to do this. Why isn't anyone doing this? So, and Henlo also acts as a great walking PR because anything I do on him can be done um, on another artist for a price, etc. cetera. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, the face tearing, which is one of his signature moves. Um, he also, uh, one of the things I've done uh, for other artists who kind of saw it based on my own experimentation is... Um, I have a number to Hosier, a Hosier song. I don't, I do like three different Hosier songs, <laughs> um, but it's, <laughs> um, it's an onstage facial transformation in seconds where it's like, um, I developed based on what was it in 2018, there was an SNL skit that required an actor to have an entirely different makeup look done in 10 seconds as a makeup artist, realistically, to get a makeup look that is somewhat precise and not just terrifying and a slap oh, right. on, um, you need you need some kind of applicator that can be pre-painted. So I found a 10-second backstage clip from the makeup artist of SNL on um, making this applicator and recreated it uh, and tested about six different methods on how I was going, like what materials I was using, um, what kind of makeup would hold in the applicator and like uh, retain its, you know, its exact shape and then come off on my face. It has to stay wet. Um, and uh, so that's one that since I started doing it on myself, which it's kind of a werewolfy. Oh, it will come back. That's the Hosier number. So it's a werewolfy, you know, and he's like, oh, stay away. I'm dangerous. Like, don't come near me. Don't like act interested in me or have pity on me because like I'll be I'll be attracted to that warmth and light stay away and then you know he transforms it's like <laughs> um, so since then that sound effect is actually in the song like he just goes blah <laughs> <laughs> yep pretty much um <laughs> so uh one one person for instance who has since uh hired me to make them a custom applicator because it really has to be custom to your right. face shape um also so you can basically like apply it without being able to look at yourself in a mirror because you're on stage while you're putting this on your face so you like if if one if one eye application is like an inch higher than the other, that's going to look funky. Um, is Jada May uh, of uh, one of the co-producers of Dark Side Burlesque, who got a full face uh, on stage makeup transformation applicator made for her Melisandre number, mm-hmm. where Melisandre does her striptease 
Um, and at the end, she's wearing basically just her choker, which, you know, gives the illusion, according to Game of Thrones. So then she takes off her choker, puts her face in a brazier of prop fire, and comes out looking old. Oh. And um, <laughs> wow. so that's... <laughs> Neat. That's, um, that's... Yeah, and of course the airbrushed clothing and the, you know, wild facial applications and some of the prosthetics that I make myself. Um, it's all um, just, it's it's an all, all an outlet for like, you know, I love working with fellow artists, but sometimes I also want to take something further than mm. they want to take it. I'm like, ooh, go more disgusting. And they're like, look, I still need to get <laughs> Like, I don't want people being afraid to like... So then I... Um, Actually, something I'm working on right now that I think will show off a lot of these combined skills is um, I have this fantasy about Henlo wearing an all-white outfit with uh, cargo shorts that have cargo pockets, and then he zips off the lower half of his shorts with the cargo pockets to reveal that he has cargo pockets on his calves made out of skin and he opens uh, the cargo pockets and inside are hot oh pockets. Oh my god. And he takes oh my god. <laughs> and he takes oh the hot pockets god. out of his skin okay. pockets and he eats them really messily oh and like just <laughs> you know fucks up his nice white clothing. So that's that's my okay. next video um, <laughs> plans. <laughs> that's oh boy, that is a lot. There's a lot of different just body check. There's a lot of different emotions happening for me right now. <laughs> Sheer delight. If if I need to, just let me know if I need to like give you some trigger warnings on like horrifying ideas because I I have a lot of them. We usually put a content warning at the start of the show, so I was probably just gonna do like portray like fake body horror or something like that. Yeah, Um, I like to call it fantasy gore Mm -hmm. because um, almost everything I do, I do not want it to be replicable in real life. Like this is. Um, you know, he gives himself a Glasgow smile with a spoon in one number. So like, that's not possible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, skin, skin pockets with hot pockets, et cetera. Right. So. Of course. Of course. <laughs> they said course. casually. Oh, I'm um, thinking about that all day. <laughs> You're welcome. So, so, uh, tell, tell us about your queer journey. Um, let's see, um, I repressed my attraction to more than cis dudes for a long time because, um, when I was a kid, you know, kids experiment and whatever, I'm like, oh, I know what the F word means, and like, they don't, but, you know, parents walk in, they're like, what are you doing, screaming, I'm gonna tell your parents and stuff, and, um, that caused me to repress everything, and just be a, one of those, like, overly invested allies that you're like, I'll see you yeah, in a few years. Yeah, um, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> when I was 14, um, my uh, mom called me out for ogling uh, the women on a Topps optional beach. And so I took a few days <laughs> to, to right. chew on that. And I was like, you know what, mom, you were right. Um, and um, I didn't really get the option to date outside of the heteronormativity until, uh, I guess, after I got divorced from a man, from mm-hmm. a cis man, um, which is also something that people are really surprised to learn about me. So uh, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome. Welcome to my truth. It's I. Uh, yeah, I've been divorced for, I want to say, about six years now. Um and wow, that was about the length of the marriage too, oh, six right. years. 
So that's a, that's a fun, um, yeah. And after that, um, yeah, I've never, I've never dated a cis dude again. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, never, thank you. Yeah. Going strong. Yeah. (laughs) Fully, fully committed myself to the cause. Um, (laughs) but, um, uh, I was also like one of those overly invested allies in, uh, knowing trans and non-binary people until learning more about drag helped me understand that there was a lot of stuff that I was also stuffing way down deep inside about my own relationship to gender. Um, generally I consider myself privately non-binary where like, um, now of course I'm doing a podcast talking about this. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, generally I, I come out to the people about that, Mm -hmm. that I choose to, and the others, you know, I don't, I don't really care if they know or not. Um, so people who would actually take the time to listen to this podcast might know. Um, and I also, you know, kind of signal it in the way I talk about myself online and stuff. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, been the leg of my most, the most recent leg of my journey. And, um, I'm just loving every bit of it. My, my life is so, uh, I feel so much more me now and I get to indulge in things that I kind of, God, when I was like maybe five years old, set aside for things that were not for me, like, um, bolo ties and suspenders Mm -hmm. and (laughs) having a flat chest sometimes and, (laughs) Yeah, you know what I'm talking I, about. <laughs> I mean, I was a late bloomer, so to speak, in high school. And, like, looking back on the times where I felt so inclined to, like, bloom, so to speak, so that I could, like, be <laughs> woman. Now I'm looking back and I'm like, you fucking idiot. Like, you had it. You had it so good. <laughs> you were there. Mm. Yeah. I just want to be able to take my tits off and, like, put them on a shelf and yeah, then, like, just put them on when I want to have them on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you read my mind. Like, um, there's actually, like, a semi-spoken word song called Detachable Penis that also, like, really um, jokes about a lot of the gender euphoria mm-hmm. I have with a mm-hmm, packer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Detachable Boobs is, like, the other, like, uh, fantasy <laughs> just like yeah, mix and yes. match yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like what am i feeling today maybe just one boob like and and like a ball three balls that'll be fun you know those like online doll makers where you just like shift through like different hairstyles and like the different makeup and different outfits it's like i want yes. that but for all of me <laughs> mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. that sounds ideal yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really interested in what you said before regarding, like, um, being a, not closeted in your non-binary identity, but only, like, telling certain people and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really interested in, like, what led you to that level of, like, I guess, selection. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm only a couple years into figuring out, you know, who I am in this branch of... You know, learning some learning some facts about myself that I very conscientiously ignored um, or pretended didn't exist. Um, so, I mean, early on, it was even more privately non-binary, um, where it was very much I would only tell people in person because um, I'm still figuring things out. And um, I do go through, uh, what was it? I just took one of those like very comprehensive 
comprehensive quizzes, like what is your gender identity? And it's like flux fluid or something where it's like, sometimes I'm having multiple gender feelings. Sometimes I'm having nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes, you know, actually since I dyed my hair black and shaved half my eyebrows off, I've been more attracted to femme clothes because it's like now the it's such a cyberpunkish hard I don't know I I like I almost now I'm, and with finding so much pleasure and comfort in playing Henlo it's like I'm I'm being now drawn back to experiencing mm. all sides of um what is it, like all the facets of the gem that um like we all are um and uh yeah, so uh, part of that comes from the fact of knowing that I'm still learning and that I'm going to get it wrong. So, um, especially in the beginning and still now to an extent, um, I tell the people who I feel like are going to be understanding that this is still a learning process for me and still a journey and like where I am today isn't going to be where I am mm. tomorrow. And they're not going to take that as um, me changing my mind or going through a phase or whatever. They're just going to be like, cool, buddy. Like, let me know, you know, uh, how it turns out. Um, yeah. And, and there's a lot of people in my life who I love very dearly. Uh, I can certainly think of a number of extended family members who need, like, a college course level of... Mm-hmm education before I can start to talk about where I am and what I'm feeling. And they're, you know, um, they're very proud of me and love me. And, um, you know, I'm fine with them being like, oh, you know, we love our lesbian niece or whatever, even though, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's not exactly how I would, you know, but, um, yeah. So, it's, it's just sometimes I don't have the energy to share the education that I've gotten so far. Sometimes um, I, <laughs> you know, sometimes I just don't want to uh, let people in and know about it when I may be the one who comes off looking like an ass in a week. Yeah, I mean, I think there's <laughs> definitely like there, it, mileage varies by person. There are some people who like want to like, take the time privately in order to like explore their own feelings and stuff like that Mm. and that's awesome there are other people who want to explore out loud and i think that's awesome like (laughs) i think that both of those are first of all there's not many wrong decisions you can make when it comes to yourself (laughs) but also like i think that there's also sometimes a pressure to like oh i can't come out until i know for a fact who i am and it's like we, like, there there should be room and, like, understanding in the ideal world that everyone's identity is in fluctuation. I feel very strongly about my identity right now. But that could change in ten years. In our culture, we very much demonize the concept of a phase. Uh, yeah. I feel like we should undo that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it would be nice to have more freedom for people yeah. to just explore for sure, for sure. Uh, so, Joy, what is something that you want to tell cishet people for the very last time, and then you never have to hear about it again? Um, I did not turn into a lesbian after my divorce. Mm. Uh, most people <laughs> don't. Uh, <laughs> lesbian is technically the wrong term for me, but it's fine. Um, but I have a lot of issues. And it's funny, because when you sent me the... Um, 
info about what we were going to be talking about, I saw that question. And that was the first thing that like, I've been mulling this over for a couple weeks now because we keep having all of the technical difficulties. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it also really grates on me because people who don't know me, I look like a perfect stereotype mm-hmm. in that way. So, <laughs> uh, you know, or people who don't know the uh, personal gender identity of my partner or partners, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it's, and it's also grates on me because I feel like seeing that archetype may have helped me accept myself later on, <laughs> but it's like, I hate it. And it, so it's, I have a very complicated relationship with the lesbian after divorce stereotype, partly because I look that way from a distance and yeah, partly because it gave me the vocabulary to start on my journey. Um, but it's absolutely not where I am right now, but much like with the privately non-binary thing, some people I just do not have the energy to explain this to them. And I don't feel like having that conversation with them. You don't have to because you've said it here and you can just hand, hand them a physical copy of this episode. Yeah. You you just hand them the CD ROM uh, that we distribute bi-weekly. Yeah. There's something very weird about the whole, like, Oh, turned into blank after divorce. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels like uh, it, it really leans into the like the. And then she went off and burned her bra and got ten girlfriend. Like really, like sort of radicalize it. Like treating queer identity in and of itself is like some act of rebellion. Again, like which like in some yeah. ways it is yes i will grant but in other like it's not inherently so and it's not like oh i divorced him ha fuck you yeah. i'm going to become a lesbian out of spite yeah. out of spite <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's so much stigma on i mean not on cis dude divorcees mm-hmm. but on basically right. everyone else um so not only to struggle through that but also to be like hey like now that I am living a truly self-directed life and like not making decisions with we as the first thing I think about, but with me, um, I'm becoming more myself. And so to have people be like, you know, even, even making that assumption as a subtext sometimes just like gets my hackles up a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's definitely (laughs) a, a good chunk of people that think of like, I don't know, so somebody is straight until the day they walk out of the courthouse and as they exit, a radioactive lesbian leaps out of a bush and bites them. Like, yeah. And that's how I met my first girlfriend. Oh, no. there uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what a love story. Yeah. And, like, it feels like there's also the assumption within that as well that, like, if, and, like, like no one can speak for every single divorce person's circumstances but like there's the assumption too that if like a divorce happens and then like somebody's sexual identity uh is presented in a different way or gender identity that that is the only thing that contributed to it and that's the only factor oh you got divorced because she turned into a lesbian that's it exactly Mm -hmm. exactly and it's like even to even to people I love very dearly. And um, I always feel this need to explain that it, the divorce did not change who I was. The divorce did not happen because I'm not straight. I would still be with him if we were able to work things out, but we weren't. Right. <laughs> uh, but I would probably also be a much diminished version of myself and maybe not feeling as satisfied with experiencing the fullness of life as I have mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Cool. <laughs> so what is on your 
gay agenda. Continuing education. I think, um, you know, what with this being the end of June and all the incredible heartfelt uh, discussions that we've had with black leadership this month, especially, Mm -hmm. um, I see the ways in which, number one, my queerness is not a band-aid for my knowing and unknowing participation in a racist and oppressive system. Um, number two, the fact that I've had the option to ignore it, you know, for my whole life or most of my life is, you know, I've got years and years of catching up to do. And, um, you know, so I'm working on that with my therapist in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> um, but also, you know, doing doing the work, uh, figuring out which ways I as a disabled person can also continue to take action in a sustainable way and contribute my resources as much as possible. Um, you know, I think especially with queer people, um, you know, and, and all that we've um, stolen and gained from uh, black culture in particular, like it's it's time to step up and I'm really excited about doing that and, and really excited about um, you know learning learning to see the world way beyond my my own perspective and uh, you know actually along those lines I was gonna uh, ask y'all um, who who your next few interviewees are and uh, if you have some like BIPOC people in the lineup because uh, there's just so many amazing queer you know queer BIPOC people uh, out there with incredible stories. And I'm, you know, I love, I fucking love having this opportunity. And, um, you know, I can't, I can't wait to, to go back into the My Gay Agenda podcast archives. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, learn, you know, learn more about some really wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, Mind if I answer that, Jay? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is way more your (laughs) wheelhouse. Jay Joy. (laughs) So... Um, especially recently, the scheduling of interviews, as you've probably noticed as somebody who got scheduled to interview, is has been very much like, take what you can get in terms of uh, scheduling due to the quarantine, due to the protests, due to people like having to do a lot more work that isn't recording podcasts than usual. Um, yeah. So uh, we don't have like a schedule of guests lined up right now, but Jay and I have actually, uh, in the past couple of months, and you'll get an email about this after we record, um, we have been finding ways to pay a stipend to uh, people who are featured on the show as a way to um, incentivize uh, people who who would not be able to, like, give that labor for free or who don't want to be giving that labor for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's a standard in the podcasting community that people just are expected to give unpaid labor. And it's not like we're paying a whole bunch of money, but, like, dues are should be expected, mm-hmm. I personally think. Um, so that is a step that we have taken in order to make sure that whosoever voices are being featured on the show, um, they are not ones that are, there. There we're not only having people on who are willing to give their voice for free. I love that. And I love that, um, this is one of the things that's been most exciting about this month, I feel like, um, as far as how it's impacted I mean, okay, most exciting in a selfish way, of course, because seeing how it impacts the Philadelphia community and making everyone really open their eyes 
take a look at our uh, past behavior and practices and change them for the better. And it's like, it's, it's amazing to see everyone being like, okay, time to like boost our ethics and time to do this in a way that, you know, everybody can see if we're staying true to that. And, you know, thank you for, you know, taking, taking your own considerations in here and, um, figuring out how to compensate people. And for the record, since we're talking about it, um, you know, if, uh, if, um, compensation is sent, I would love to, I'm probably going to send that to, you know, a BIPOC person, you know, since that's, big part of my own learning journey right now (laughs) yeah absolutely we've definitely like we've been doing this for the past couple of months now and we always give the option to um uh keep the money donate the money or uh refuse the stipend and it just goes to our operations i love that i definitely that's an energy yeah that's an energy (laughs) that i feel like we all need to be keeping up as white people yes is pass it along yeah, I think there's a few people who are yeah. like, well, I donated, and now I'm done. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hold on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, D- Jay and I both <laughs> definitely are have been doing a lot of work like over the past month and in general to uh, make sure that we're not simply highlighting white queer voices and to work on our all, our own role in white supremacy. Yeah, to wrap that up also, um, I think... Um, by passing along um, what would have been a stipend um, makes me feel better because with the um, involvement with curl talk and glitter high drag out and all that, like um, yeah, I just did make a promise that I wasn't going to work for um, like all white productions. So this is me doing it for free and then someone else can uh, get that money. And that makes me really happy. Ah, cool. So, from that subject, shall we play a game? Yes. Ah, game time. Hello, it's me, your camp counselor, Jay. Uh, and today I brought a little, a little return to form. Uh, back in the day when we had Barry Tyler Moore on the show, we took different types of bears and built hypothetical drag artists and drag numbers off of them. And it was just a fun little improv thing and uh i was very much very much inspired by your drag name uh so today we're doing something that is just titled in my documents as drag frogs drag frogs frogs." (laughs) (laughs) so yes i have a short list of different kinds of frog okay uh and for each one we can come up with a hypothetical drag performer or just an act whatever we want it's just some fun imaginary spitballing love it uh so let's start with a nice basic tree frog tree frog hmm and i'm googling what a tree frog (laughs) okay an aerialist first of all um (laughs) oh yes (laughs) instantly on board (laughs) i love aerial work also a pothead tree frog's definitely a pothead tree frog smokes a lot of weed Oh my gosh. <laughs> Loves those trees. Like a 420 yeah. number? Yeah, 420 aerialist oh, aerial number. Group. Yeah. Hey, co-conspirators, this is CJ. Um, I'm hopping in somewhat randomly uh, because unfortunately from here we had uh, quite the technical glitch which resulted in the rest of Joy's track 
being gone. It is, it is now gone and we don't have it, uh, which is unfortunate, but uh, Jay and I are very optimistic that someday Joy will join us again and talk about all of what were some really, really correct reads about uh, frogs and their drag personas. Um, so sorry we can't bring that to you now, but it will happen in the future, don't you worry. Um, and yeah, we'll just do the quick promo stuff we do at the end. Uh, this will be a slightly shorter episode than our usual, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Love you all. Take care. Jay, want to plug your social medias? Uh, I, I, if you want to tweet other frog species at me, I'm on Twitter at underscore glittergoblin underscore, and uh, I link to other social medias from there. I'm hoping to overhaul all of that and post more frequently and more relevant <laughs> content. <laughs> Alright, and uh, you can find My Gay Agenda on iTunes or Spotify. If you're there, why not drop us a rating? That'd help. Uh, you can also follow us on Spotify to get updated whenever we have a new episode. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. The handle there is Gay Agenda Cast. Um, and you can, if, if you like what it is we're doing, um, if you think the stipend thing sounds like a cool idea, uh, you can join us on Patreon. And uh, much like Rachel, Jeremiah the Bullfrog, Higgins, and Teeny Snail have done, <laughs> along with many other wonderful folks. Uh, and until next time, thank you for joining us. Put this on your gay agenda. Change the world. Love yourself. Keep protesting, signing petitions, donating. Yeah. I'm leaning into the change of the world part of that, but also the love yourself. You know what? This is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. We just want to exist.